Unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Coming up on this episode, we are happy to welcome back WKMG News 6 Sports Director Jamie Say. Always a thrill to have Jamie on the show. Coming up, we will talk about UCF. First season of the Big 12, some college and NFL football, including her Buffalo Bills and their prospects of winning the Super Bowl. Jamie is standing by in the virtual green room and will join us in just a few moments. Speaking of the NFL, first full weekend of preseason football action and have you gone into overreaction mode? Oh my God, we're terrible. Oh my gosh, look at this kid. He's going to be great. Oh my gosh, we could be contenders. We learned nothing <laughs> in week one of preseason. We learned nothing really in preseason. Now you get the few breakout players that uh, get on the radar and could potentially contribute to their team's success, but... Preseason is just about getting the work in, building out your depth, your starters. You know, you're not going to play your 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 key frontline guys and risk them to injury other than the game three dress rehearsal where you might get a series or so. But other than that, yeah, preseason is just what it means it is. Exhibition football. Want to plug next week's show ahead of time because it'll be our annual roundtable on UCF football. Be joined by Brandon Helwick of UCFSports.com, Adam Eaton from the Sons of UCF, Eric Lopez will join us on Black and Gold Banneret, and Jason Beatty of the Orlando Sentinel before he takes his Orlando Magic duties in full swing will give us one last appearance on the roundtable as we discuss UCF football next week. All right, my pleasure once again to welcome back to the show WKMG News 6 Sports Director Jamie Say, also the biggest Springsteen fan in the world. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if that's true. There are a lot of big fans, but I appreciate you digging out the Bruce Springsteen song for me. I appreciate that very much. Oh, no problem. We like to cater to what's important to people here. That's, uh, <laughs> this is the glory days, isn't it? You know, when football season starts. Yes, absolutely. Starts. Yeah. 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 We got lots of football to talk about. You got any Springsteen activity on the horizon? I do, actually. So he's on tour right now. Um, I saw him when he played Tampa and Orlando in the winter. He had a concert that was scheduled in my hometown of Albany, New York, that was postponed um, back in March. That's coming up. The rescheduling is in mid-September. So I'll be hitting that, hitting Springsteen in Albany in mid-September. So I can't wait. Yeah, that's good. That's going to be awesome. So speaking of catering to what's important to people, we're going to let you talk about your number one topic first. The Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills. Bills. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Is, so the big question is, is this the year? You know, I'm going to say yes, because I I have faith in my team. And also another reason why is because not a lot of people are talking about them compared to last year. Last year, they entered the season as the favorite. And there's pressure that goes along with that. You know, players hear the outside noise. 
whether they, you know, they try and tune it out, but they hear the outside noise and the chatter. It has been so long since the Buffalo Bills franchise came into a season as the favorite. I mean, even in the early 90s, yeah, they may have been the favorite to win the AFC or their division, but they weren't the favorite to win the Super Bowl. And those were the expectations last year. I think the pressure's off because more people are talking about the New York Jets because of Aaron Rodgers in their division and the Miami Dolphins because of, you know, the moves the Dolphins have made. Now, Jalen Ramsey's hurt. That was huge. But, you know, I think more people are talking about those teams. Um than the Buffalo Bills. So the pressure's kind of off. I think people are going to talk about the Chiefs and the Bengals. So I think that will help things. I think the key to the Buffalo Bills is staying healthy. This was a team that had a lot of adversity last year. Um, Josh Allen hurts his elbow against the Jets. I think it was in November um, or late October. And that kind of derailed him a little bit, you know, Um, and he finally got back on track in December and then, you know, they couldn't do anything against the Bengals in the playoffs, but, but they, they were met with a ton of adversity from, you know, having to move a game and play a game in Detroit uh, because of the snow out to DeMar Hamlin. Um, I think that was an unbelievable story and a testament to who DeMar Hamlin is and what the Buffalo Bills franchise is about, but I think it was probably exhausting for the whole franchise, Um, you know, that moment in time, so exhausting. So a lot of things went against them despite their talent, and they lost Von Miller. Um, You know, as long as they stay healthy, why can't it be the Buffalo Bills? I think Gabe Davis is going to have a huge year. Me too. Um, I think Stefan Diggs will have a big year. You know, I think there's been some things going on in the offseason. Diggs wasn't happy. I think they'll get that corrected. Uh, Ken Dorsey is coming back in year two as the offensive coordinator. I think that'll help. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting, though, because their defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier, you know, kind of briefly stepped aside, briefly stepped in retirement. So Sean McDermott, the head coach, is going to be the D.C., but – so that'll be interesting. But, yeah, I I think the Bills are going to be healthier. They get Micah Hyde back. Hyde got injured week one. So, yes, <laughs> this is going to be it. It's going to be the Buffalo Bills, but they have a really tough schedule. Yes. Um, I don't know it offhand right now, but it's a really, really tough schedule. So, and, you know, that's uh, that, that kind of comes with the territory with the kind of team they are. Exactly, yeah. All right, so you talked about Josh Allen's injury. Does he dial it back a little bit in the running game? I mean, I don't know that he can sustain a long career with it. Not sure. Oh, you know, I I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. I don't think so. You know, and he got injured on that play. I'm not. I don't think he was escaping the pocket, intending to run. You know, I think I think he was on the verge of getting sacked, and maybe mm-hmm. he got. I don't. I don't recall the play. I know it was against the Jets. But I don't believe he was out of the pocket intending to run when he when he got banged up. He hasn't been banged up when he's run the ball. I don't think so because okay. I think he's a guy that can't help himself. He is somewhat of a risk taker to try and do anything he can to get those extra yardage. So I think, you know, the message 
again, this year might be, hey, calm it down. And I think that was happening at the beginning of last season. Mm -hmm. And then when things weren't going their way, you know, okay, it's time for me to play hero. And and he did. So, but I don't think, I think when the moment calls for for it, in his mind, he's going to take off and run. And he's going to take what the defense gives him. And if he sees a lane... He's going to take off because he's so difficult to take down. And again, like he really hasn't gotten banged up when he's run. Um, You know, the elbow thing was kind of a freak play. Like I think, I think he got hit on the arm. Um, You know, I can't really visualize the play. So, so no. (laughs) And, you know, it's like the Bills lost one of their running backs for the season, Naheem Hines. So, you know, they're a little short in the running game again. And it wasn't a priority last year. So, you know, he might be the big runner again for the bills this year. Okay. Well, that'll be interesting to, to see how that evolves. Uh, you know, uh, you know, and I know it's kind of hard to change the way a guy plays that yeah. when it makes him successful. Uh, mm-hmm. so it's kind of a balancing act, I'm sure. But, you know, but I think he is also a quarterback who, um, really, uh, dives into his craft and puts a lot of work in the off season and tries to get better. You know, last year, it seemed like he was trying l- new things, um, the way he threw the ball, you know, like he would try and sidearm things a little bit like Patrick Mahomes does, you know, um, you know, and his progress from year one to year two and then year two to year three was was really significant because of the strides that he made. So, you know, people are going to tell him, stop running, stop running. So perhaps he does kind of work on that, continue to work on his accuracy and everything like that. So, you know, we'll see what little new nuances he brings to the game. But, like, I have no doubt he's going to come back as a better quarterback. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you mentioned health, obviously, and then the Miami Dolphins, you know, mm-hmm. an improved team in the division. But are they only going to go as far as to his health? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Skylar Thompson and Mike White are their backups. You know, good luck. I mean, to uh, – <laughs> Tua has great talent around him. How's the offensive line going to protect him? You know, well, how did they shore up that offensive line? So what happened to him last year doesn't happen again. And yeah, I think, I think it, it all rides on Tua being able to get rid of the ball and getting it to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle um, for sure. But, you know, if, if he gets banged up again, um, I don't think he'll enter the season with any hesitancy. You know, I it's from from what it sounds like, you know, he's he's not super worried, although he did consider walking away, I think he said in one press conference. But, you know, I, I think he'll go out, you know, and and not really worry about the concussion until maybe he gets hit. Um, so we'll see. But, yeah, I think I think the Miami Dolphins go as as. Tua goes, yeah. you know, is he the best quarterback uh, in the AFC? Certainly not. He's one of the better ones, though. Like, because when the Dolphins were run, I think they won, like, I don't know, seven in a row or yeah. something like that. Um, some crazy, crazy run that they made in September and October up until, um, you know, up until when was it? Like, I, I don't remember, but they they had a really good run. And, and it, a lot of it was him. You know, he was playing great. And uh, he was getting the ball to receivers who are very difficult to cover and stop. So, but yeah, it's on Tua. Yeah. <laughs> and Miami's defense is going to be outstanding. Yeah. That gives yeah. them a little bit of grace, but, uh, yeah. but yeah. And, and of course the Dolphins have to make sure they take care of their quarterback and not let him go back out 
<laughs> when, yeah. he, when he's not able to go out. Uh, yeah. So that was certainly a big storyline uh, last yeah. year. Uh, it's interesting. It's interesting that the Dolphins missed out on Dalvin Cook because mm-hmm. I thought that was going to happen, yeah. and that would have, you know, really added a huge wrinkle to what they were going to do. But it, so so that's interesting that you know they're running game could have taken a huge leap and and they missed out on him yeah so. yeah that's a that, that is a big whiff as far as that goes <laughs> yeah. all right so let's uh look down i4 at the tampa bay bucks the tom brady era is over and <laughs> yes. welcome baker mayfield baker mayfield <laughs> you know he's got you know but he's got that confidence he's got the swagger he's no tom brady he's no tom brady the buccaneers know this um, you know, they, I, I, they didn't make a ton of moves, you know, in the off season to really build, um, like they did around Tom Brady, you know? So I think, I think they fully are aware that this is a rebuild. They bring in Baker Mayfield, um, cause somebody has to quarterback the team. And also, you know, they are giving Kyle Trask a chance to show that he could be the starter. I don't think, I don't think he has though. You know, I mean, it's only been one preseason game. Um, and you know, he was playing behind an offensive line of, um, I think a lot of third teamers because a lot of the first teamers didn't play for the Buccaneers in the, in the game and, and he was okay, but he's got to be ready to get rid of the ball quicker, make decisions quicker. So, so I don't know. Um, but yeah, Baker Mayfield, he's got some swagger, got the Browns to the playoffs, but yeah, no, he's no Tom Brady. Um, and the Buccaneers, you know, lose Russell Gage, the wide receiver, likely for the season, you know, this week in practice. So they still have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. But, yeah, I, I just I, I think the Bucks, you know, are, are pretty settled into a rebuild. Although you never know, because it's not like their division is is outstanding. And there's question marks with the Saints. Yeah. You know, so we'll we'll see what the Saints can do. But you know, it sounds it seems like that division will go through New Orleans. Maybe the Buccaneers will surprise people. Maybe Baker's going to be awesome. Um, but I, I'm not really sure. But he's not he's not Tom Brady for sure. Yeah, uh, their highlight of the season might be when they wear their creamsicle uniforms. <laughs> I know, you know, because it's been such a nice atmosphere. Like it's been nice to see the Buccaneers be so relevant and Buccaneers fans be so excited about their team because. You know, like since I've gotten here, you know, I got here in 2010, you know, and the Bucks were down for a long, long time, but their fans stayed true to them. And then it's like you get this gift of Tom Brady signing with them, you know, out of all the teams, you know, Brady picks the Buccaneers. So, you know, it was a nice run. It was fun. It was exciting. You know, so I hope they win more games than, than what's to be expected this season. And, you know, and who knows about Baker Mayfield? <laughs> who knows yeah. you know, he's got moxie he's got a chip on his shoulder i'm not sure how much that translates in the yeah. nfl game but we'll see i would never question his toughness you know right he, exactly he, yeah he definitely exactly. he definitely brings that to the table well yeah. talk, talk about excitement brewing so up the road in jacksonville mm-hmm. you know the jags had a great second half last year and trevor lawrence is making that climb and they are kind of a trendy pick from no, for, for sure. a lot of people for sure. And again, you're you're in a division that's not that good. Uh, I mean, really, like, um, you know, you've got Tennessee, um, who, what, I think their, their quarterback, what is it? Is it Desmond Ritter? Is that their quarterback? It's uh, no. It's uh, or is it Malik Willis? Uh, Tannehill. Tannehill's back. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Tannehill is back. Yeah. Okay. 
I just, I get a little confused sometimes, but, but yeah. So, so the Titans have Derrick Henry, this, 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 but no, I, like, I think the Jags can win that division. And then with the Jags, you add in Calvin Ridley, mm-hmm. who is, uh, could be a game changing wide receiver. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence grew a lot under Doug Peterson last year, you know, and, and things just started to click, you know, November into December. And then, you know, they win a playoff game for the first time in a long, in, in a while, um, you know, since Blake Bortles, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, like there's, there's no reason why the Jags can't make the playoffs again. Um, I think there's going to be a confidence, you know, they know, they know what to expect from the coaching staff, you know, the fact that they're going into year two and, and they're working with a coaching staff that they trust. So yeah, I, I'm thrilled for Jags fans too. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence is supposed to be really, really good. And maybe this is the year where he brings it together. You know, this is year three when NFL quarterbacks are supposed to make that leap. Um, So maybe this happens for him, but you know, Calvin Ridley's special, you know, he's super fast. I mean, he, he could be a problem yeah. for defenses. Yeah, I think it's a great testimony to, to Doug Peterson as well because, you know, it was a just a mitigated disaster in Urban Meyer and how quickly oh, he you. pulled them out of that out of that 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 pit is yeah, quite he did. amazing. <laughs> he did, yeah, like and he did it by building trust. You know, he seems to be like a player's coach and that's you know, I think his players in Philadelphia really like that too. And, you know, what uh, Peterson kind of did the same thing with the Eagles because, you know, he comes in and did he replace um, the Chip, uh, the UCLA coach? Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly. Yeah. Like it was a disaster under Chip Kelly. And yes. then I think Peterson replaced him and bada bing, they go to the Super Bowl. So, you know, I'm not saying the Jags go to the Super Bowl, but Doug Peterson has this knack to gain the trust of his players, you know, like, so he takes over the, you know, after the disaster that was Urban Meyer and gets these guys believing and they're on the same page. Like, I think there is definitely a confidence in the Jags. And and I think Trevor Lawrence is a really good leader. You know, like, I, I mean, through it all, like just the expectations, you know, that he had um, that were on him when he came into the league. Um, and, you know, he never faltered in his belief in what, in a process, I guess, you know, in a, in a growth process. So I'm excited to see what he can do. And I hope he becomes an outstanding quarterback, um, you know, because I think he's a really good leader. He's mature and, you know, accountable, holds himself accountable. Yeah. And Peterson bringing that Super Bowl ring certainly uh, brings the credibility. That does not yeah, hurt. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. All right. Let's talk uh, some college football. UCF, okay. a monumental season about to embark on as they go into the Big 12. Think about this. If the Pac-12 would have imploded a year earlier, they might still be on the outside looking in. At you're this absolutely situation. right. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, like, so the timing was perfect for UCF. You know, they can thank Texas and Oklahoma for deciding to leave for the SEC when they did. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? Maybe, maybe not. You know, maybe the ACC picks up UCF because they see the Big 12 becoming like, you know, adding however many teams, you know, becoming a 16-team league or whatever whatever would have happened had things not fallen into place. I mean, UCF's still really attractive, um, you know, because of Orlando, because of the enrollment, because of the success they've had, because of the branding mm-hmm. um, 
and all that. So maybe UCF would have landed in the ACC. Um, you know, geographically, it makes sense um, in the ACC. And, you know, we know that the ACC entertains some some teams that, uh, you know, when the last couple, the last week or so, you know, that normally maybe they wouldn't have. So, so maybe that happens. But yeah, no, the timing was right for Texas and Oklahoma to leave. And I'm really excited for UCF and and the moment that they're going to have, you know, um, and the fact they're part of the Big 12, a conference that's on the rise, you know, a conference with momentum. Yes. Um, you know, they might not still might not get the same payout as an ACC team, but with Brett Yormark as commissioner, you know, it feels like the Big 12 is gaining more and more momentum and power. So I think, you know, and becoming a more major player. But really, at the end of the day, it's it's all about how do they compete with everybody else? You know, what's, what's the Big 12 going to put out there? You know, and I hope a Big 12 team other than Texas and Oklahoma makes noise. Like what TCU did last year was great. Yes. I wish they had put more points up against Georgia, you know, had a better showing, you know. Kansas State might be really good. Oklahoma State might be really good. So I hope it's one of – and who knows? I mean, maybe UCF. I think it's going to be tough for them. I do. Yeah, It's yeah. a tough schedule. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's just a tough – it's the toughest schedule they've ever had, Um, you know, with six – five conference road games and then the trip to Boise State at the beginning of the season. It's really tough. So, um you know, I think the expectations have to be tempered a little bit, but I hope they finish with a winning record. And if they finish with a winning record, I think fans have to be happy with that. You know, unless there's a game that they give away, you right. know, where it's a heartbreaker or something like that. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I I just hope somebody other than Texas and Oklahoma emerges as a really powerful team because you never know. I mean, t- TCU proved last year, you never know what can happen. Um you know, Cincinnati, you know, the year before, UCF in 2017, you never know until the season starts and they're playing games. Yeah. But I'm just so excited for the UCF fan base and the UCF alums that have waited for this moment for so long. Like, it's arrived. Like, it's really special. Yeah. It's really special. Oh, no. Like, I can't I can't wait till they kick off at Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, you know, it's going to be tough. The Dylan Gabriel Bowl, yes. Yeah, the Dylan Gabriel Bowl, but it's there. It's like that stadium is going to be crazy. It's homecoming for Oklahoma. You know, they get to sense all that. Like, I hope UCF sends fans over there, and I'm sure they will. I just – I'm so excited for the football team to experience that. I'm excited for UCF fans who will travel. So – the bounce house is fantastic and it's awesome. And, you know, I, I just, I'm just, I'm just so looking forward to the fans and the football team experiencing those moments on a big 12 campus. So, so we all know what it's like and what can be brought to UCF every single game, every single game, you know, sell out the bounce house every single game yeah. and bring every single moment. Yeah, no, it's going to be a great thing. I mean, I, I just get goosebumps thinking about, what's happening you know it just it just is off the charts exciting yeah i'm i'm sure for like ucf fans it's still like a pinch me moment it's like can you believe we're in the big 12 we waited so long for this you know you guys were supposed to be in a power conference when you with the big east and that fell through and you know you get the one opportunity with the ac aac you know into the 
Fiesta Bowl there. And it's just like, you know, the amount of ribbing that UCF has taken throughout the years and, and the fact that, you know, a couple of years ago, the Big 12 didn't want to touch UCF. Oh, you know, we're fine at this. We're fine at this number, this, this, this. Well, now the conference needed them. And they're an asset to the conference. You know, you say that UCF could have been an, on the outside looking in. Well, that would have been dumb. Yeah. You know, like if, if they looked at it that way because of everything that UCF brings to the table. Like this is a program that has not topped out. You know, like it, like it's just the trajectory is still going, going up and up for all the sports. Yeah, it's going to be tough, like with recruiting and stuff. But I mean, you know, being in Orlando, being an innovative university like it is, the way they branded themselves. I mean, who wouldn't want to come to UCF and compete for them? Mm-hmm. You know, being in Florida, like I think it's awesome. Yeah. I think it's awesome. Well, let's talk about on the field. So okay. uh, Gus Malzahn has elected to turn over the play calling to uh, mm-hmm. former UCF great Darren Henshaw. Uh, I think this is a tremendous move. Uh, and this, and yeah. this will probably benefit John Rice Plumley to a great extent. Yeah, it's definitely a significant move because I think Gus Malzahn loves the offense. I think he loves calling the plays of the offense, but I think he realized at this moment, with UCF going to the big 12 with all the other things that impact the college football program, he had to give something up and he gave up the play calling, you know, cause Gus now has to worry uh, about recruiting transfers and the transfer portal and recruiting in general and name image and likeness and keeping players happy and, and being the CEO. And now he's got Darren Hinshaw who's, who's done really well in his career as a coordinator, I'm looking for, you know, I don't know. I don't know how the offense is going to look, but you're right. It does benefit John Rice Plumley. Um, Hinshaw quarterback UCF, John Rice Plumley is quarterback in UCF. And, you know, I think they'll cater to Plumley's strengths, um, I would think. But, you know, I really don't know a lot about Hinshaw's offense until we see it in the first couple weeks of the season. But there's certainly a lot of playmakers around Plumley too. Yes. I mean, their running backs are loaded mm-hmm. um, and they've got some really talented receivers. And I think, you know, one of the questions will be the offensive line and can they match up against the big 12, um, you know, the big 12 defenses, you know, do they have enough depth, um, you know, enough physicality to take that, you know, every single play week by week. But I, I think, yeah, but I couldn't tell you, you know, I have no idea what Hinshaw is going to throw out there. Yeah. So I like it. I like the mystery of it. Yeah, I think there. I think it. I know the one thing from his past. He, you know, he does like to throw the ball down the field, and I think the other thing. You know, the thing I hear most is the thing that he is working on with John Rice is the footwork as a passer. Oh, yeah, and and that's yeah, that's huge. Like yeah, so Plumlee can get a little bit more more on the ball when he throws it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing John Rice's growth. I mean, yeah, because. And, you know, to have that quarterback's coach and the offensive coordinator to work with him, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, just the time that Hinshaw and he will have working together. And I think, you know, Plumlee's got such a great attitude that he'll take whatever coaching he can get. Yeah, I d- totally agree with that. And then they have a new coordinator on the def- defensive side, Addison Williams. Uh, you know, coaching defense in college is tough. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I, I think much harder than the NFL because yeah. of all the changes you have to make and all the high power offenses you face. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's incredible. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, and in like every team is different. Every team runs something totally unique and you have to have the personnel for it. You've got to get to know your personnel and who you can put in that position. And if somebody goes down, well, who's best equipped? But yeah, and it's going to be tough because it's like you got to score, you know, the Big 12 scores points. Yes. You know, TCU scored a lot of points. Kansas put a lot of points on the board. So it's like, yeah, these teams put up points and you've got to stop them or you've got to keep up with them. So, yeah, um, you know, and Addison Williams has been through the program before. So, um, and he's got some good veteran leadership, you know, and the defense, you know, I think they're, they're angry. I think if they play angry, you know, they're, I, I think UCF, um, feels like they're being underestimated as they go into the Big 12. I mean, Josh Selisgar said at Big 12 media days that, you know, he feels like he has a lot to prove that nobody's really giving them a chance. And, you know, this is this is the moment. But like Selisgar could be, a you know, I, he was great last year and I'm glad he's back. And of course, John Walker is said to be oh, a, yeah. a beast. <laughs> well, that's the crazy thing. It's like, you know, Gus was talking about the young players that can come in and make an impact. And John Walker is certainly one of them. He's, he's a true freshman. He's gigantic. He's gigantic. And then, like, you've got Nakai Martinez, mm-hmm. who's, you know, another year into the program. He, he was out of Apaka. Like, I'm excited to see what he can do in the secondary, too. I mean, they've got some young guys. You know, and this is going to be their moment because, you know, you need depth. You need a lot of guys to go out there and compete. Yeah, no question about that. Um, And interesting, uh, you mentioned the ACC earlier, so we'll talk a little bit about FSU. Mike Norvell, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, he's done a a really nice job getting that program pointed back in the upward direction after they hit rock bottom. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's funny, it's like that's what one successful season does. You know, it's like because – what the last year was year three for him, I think. Yes. I think it was his third year. But after years one and two, people were ready to get him out of there. But you know, it takes it takes patience. It takes guys staying in your system, you know, and, and Jordan Travis had a really special year last year and is playing with so much more confidence than than he's ever had before. And uh it'll be interesting though, you know, game one against LSU. Um, and how they come out of that game, whether they win or lose, how do they respond from that game? Um, Because it's so big, there's so much hype, and it's like, you know, if they lose, everything's not over. If they win, everything's not over. You still still have to go out and, you know, win the ACC. But, but, uh, I mean, talk about being tested – yeah. From the get go. Yeah. But no, I think I think FSU will be very good. There's clearly experience. They got a they got a ton of guys back and Jared Verse is is a game changer. If they stay healthy, you know, the you know, FSU had a better offensive line last year. And that was a key because their offensive lines have been a weak spot since, you know, I think probably Jimbo's last year. Yeah. Um and they've never been able to to stay healthy. They've never had enough depth but last year they were really good on that offensive line so yeah it'll be interesting to see what what they do and you know Clemson's not the same Clemson no (laughs) no it's not (laughs) it's not but you never know I mean they got a great coach you never know what's going to happen yeah you know you never know but yeah I mean the path should be set for Florida State you know to 
potentially make that playoff. Like, and I don't think their hopes are going to be done if they lose to LSU. Depends on how that game goes. Yeah. Good that that game's early, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They could beat LSU. I don't know if you heard about it, but they like LSU just had a big fight in practice this week or, or over the weekend or something like that. So maybe things aren't, aren't all that great in Baton Rouge at the moment. Yeah. So maybe FSU will get the get them at the right time again, like they did last year. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Brian Kelly have a bad season there. But so. no, I mean, yeah. <laughs> that, that'd be okay. Uh, yeah. Just real briefly on Miami, of course, we hear every year after they play their first two games out of conference, oh, the U is back. <laughs> That's kind of like the, the most yeah. statement that happens every year, and then the U is not back. <laughs> no, and then, and then they – things fizzle in October or November, you know, it's always feels like, okay, late October is the end of hurricane season yeah. you know, <laughs> in November. Um, all right. Five and seven last year, mm-hmm. they've got to be better. I mean, Mario Cristobal talks tough. He talks a great game and it's like, okay, it is a process to build a, like you can't just bring in a program and things are magically going to change like that. But I thought the offense would be a little bit better because Tyler Van Dyke was bad. Yeah, he got injured, but it was like he had a really good year the year before and kind of came out of nowhere. And last year, he didn't make those strides. And he got hurt, but um, it just just things just didn't seem to be in sync last year. I think, you know, I think Miami will emphasize defense and and we'll see. But I, I really don't know what to make about make of um Miami's team. I think their run game will be good, but I, I really don't know. Yeah. Yeah. They're so, so somewhat of a long, long standing enigma in, in, in that regard. So, and yeah. then at the University of Florida, Billy Napier. Uh, and, you know, I kind of have a theory about, about Napier, and I kind of want to compare it to Scott Frost, you know, because, you know, coaches that are, are in the lower level and, and the hot coach comes out, his team mm-hmm. makes some noise, but they don't have like long-term success at these schools prior to making the jump, you know, coming from Louisiana to Florida is a monumental jump. It's, it's huge. And uh, you know, so far what you can credit Napier with is his organization, Mm -hmm. his, his ability to organize practices and, you know, have plans and this, 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 he's got an enormous staff you know, his ability to get the resources. I mean, Florida was ready to give him the resources and the money um, because I think they saw what was happening, you know, at Alabama, at Georgia, you know, where, where they were getting passed. So like, he's very organized. He's very thoughtful and process driven, but you know, that didn't really lead to success on the field. And, you know, it's, I didn't feel like Anthony Richardson really, took a step forward last year. You know, he had some good games and he had some bad games. There was no real consistency. Um, I think the Gators run game this year will be good. I, you know, um, and we'll see about everything else, but yeah, no, it's, you hire the hot coach and they may or may not work out. Like, you know, Willie Taggart might be another example. Great example. He was, he he did great at South Florida, goes to Oregon for one year and that was it. And they were middling, you know, it was, I, you know, they weren't, they weren't like knock your socks off. Awesome. I, I, I'm not sure. I think he might've won eight games, maybe maybe eight games in his one season. I don't remember. And then, you know, he comes to Florida state and, oh, just completely deflated. You know, I mean, I guess the one coach that you can look at, except 
but it's it's not even fair because it's Lane Kiffin going from FAU to Ole Miss. It's not even fair because Kiffin, you know, coached at big time programs. But yeah, I mean, yeah, Napier coming from Louisiana, like you have to recruit really well. You know, it's about the players that you get. You know, how is he recruiting and what kind of patience does the program have? Mm-hmm. Um, so if the if Florida is patient with him and he can get really good players, he's in good shape. But but if he can't, if he can't beat, you know, Georgia, Florida State, Alabama and recruiting, then he's in trouble. And then we'll see what kind of coach he is. But like, yeah. But yeah, you get the you get the hot coach like Jim McElwain was the hot coach out of Colorado State. Yeah. Another great and that example. Didn't really work out either. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, is, it, it you just kind of think that you know if if they had like five great seasons under their belt before they made the jump, to yeah. me they they might have a better chance. I don't know. Yeah, like like you look at a guy like Lance Leipold from Buffalo. Mm-hmm. You know, he takes over the Buffalo program. So Leipold came from I think uh, maybe an FCS school or yes, a school from Wisconsin takes over Buffalo and you know, because Danny White hired him and turns Buffalo around. And then he goes to Kansas where, you know, they're more focused on basketball, obviously, but he's done some decent things at Kansas, Mm -hmm. but it's about recruiting. It's about getting the best players that you can, Um, you know? So, so I think Florida and Napier has to win the battles in recruiting and in the transfer portal. Yeah. And, and of course you, the, the, the big thing you brought up too was, you know, you look at the war chests that Georgia and Alabama bring to the table, right? I mean, in the sec, I mean, you better bring the bank. Yeah. (laughs) You don't have no chance. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Like Georgia's not going to give up its throne easily. No, you know, not at all. You know, not after being, you know, the Florida Gators whipping boy for so long, no way, you know, it's a great fan base. You know, they don't, they don't want to give up that throne. You know, they, I think they, I think they feel it's them and Alabama and that's it. You know, that's who they're, that's their competition is Alabama, Ohio state, Michigan. Yes, they're good. But I feel like it's Georgia, Georgia's point of view might be it's them and Alabama. I, I, I could be wrong, but it's like Alabama's the gold standard, you know, and now Georgia wants to, take over that throne permanently yeah no question about it well jamie i always enjoy talking football with you each and every year you you, you jump right off the six o'clock newscast to, to come on with me and i greatly appreciate that very much so please uh shameless plugs uh, for the work you're doing over there at new six well, well i appreciate being on with you jeff i always enjoy it i i love how you let me talk about my buffalo bills um, yeah, no, we're just, we're getting ready for football season. Um, you know, we're going to be hitting UCF hard as they go into the big 12, uh, in year one and, you know, definitely doing all we can with Florida state and, and the Florida Gators. We've got our, uh, Saturday sports show is back after the whistle every Saturday night at 1135. And you can catch me and Ryan Welch, you know, Sunday to Saturday at six and 11. So yeah, it's a great time of year, though. We're we're super fired up for football season. Yeah. Why not? It's the best time of the year. <laughs> no, no question. Thank yes. you, Jamie. Always appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. All right, let's close things out now with a TV theme.
And that was the theme from Kojak. As uh, And that was the theme from Kojak, starring Telly Savalas as the title character and YPD Detective Lieutenant Theodopolis Theo Kojak. It was on CBS 1973 to 1978. Kojak, a bald, dapper New York City policeman and fond of Tootsie Pops and using catchphrases like who loves you, baby, and coochie coo. He was stubborn, tenacious in his investigation of crimes and also had a dark, cynical wit along with a tendency to bend the rules if it brought a criminal to justice. His longtime supervisor was Captain Frank McNeil, played by Dan Frazier, a man who never seemed to know what was going on, <laughs> unless Kojak told him. Later in the series, when McNeil was promoted to chief of detectives in Manhattan, Kojak becomes the commander of the Manhattan South Precinct's detective squad. That squad includes one of his favorite employees, young plainclothes officer, Detective Bobby Crocker, played by Kevin Dobson, and Detective Star- Stavros, played by Telly's real-life brother, George Savalas. Kojak, our TV theme for this week. And with that, we are done here. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at JeffAllen underscore 88, on Facebook at JeffAllen88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Does your dog itch, suffer from debilitating skin allergies, or trouble hot spots? We have the solution using the healing power of neem. Kramer's Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. Go to KramerSalve.net to order today with new low pricing. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net.